Um, let us look in Daniel. I want to talk about um, something that uh, very important. Uh, one of the sermons that dear old Benson Ederholzer, my good friend, used to preach was your attitude determines your altitude. And I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about attitude um, because it determines your lifestyle. And what happens in life, very often, how you respond to the happenings of life determine the way you go. And it's surprising how many people have the wrong attitude to experiences in life and because of that wrong attitude get destroyed. And if you can keep the right attitude, you'll be surprised how easy it is to live in victory. And I want to start in the Old Covenant and in Daniel um, chapter 3, you remember there's the story of Nebuchadnezzar, the king, in verse 1, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Jura, in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, boy, there's a lot of them in there. In other words, all the notable people came. And verse 4, Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whosoever falleth not down and worshippeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of, and so on, they fell down. Okay? Here's a, a king who sets up idol worship, and he says, well look, you've all got to conform. And in the Nebuchadnezzar's day, there were those who were the people of God. And they stood and believed there was one God. And he was almighty. And Nebuchadnezzar set up his golden statue. And he said, right, well, whenever you hear the music, you better bow to it. Verse 14, you remember, um, then Nebuchadnezzar, uh, where, where? Uh... Verse 12, there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now if you be ready, if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. You know, there comes a point in life where everyone goes through trials. Trials in life happen to everyone. There's a time when you face a problem. You don't want to face a problem, but you face it. And it depends how you respond to what you face. When the heat is beginning to be felt, most people will compromise. Most people will back down. The fact is you can't if you're a Christian. In the end, you've got to be prepared to go through the fire. And you'll notice that the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had one attitude. And that was, well, if God delivered us, so be it. He'll deliver us out of your hand. But if he doesn't, I still won't bow to you. Doesn't matter what you do, I will not bow. I won't bow to your threats. I won't bow to what happens. I'm going to believe in my God, and I'm going to live for my God, and that's it. That's an attitude of mind. I've made my decision. I've drawn a line in the sand. I know where I believe. I know what's true. I will not compromise for society. I won't compromise at all for anyone. What I believe is what I believe. I'm prepared to live for it and die for it. That's a Christian way of living and here were three people who made their decision we don't care we're not bowing and so he got the fiery furnace heated up seven times 
Verse 21, then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. In they went. And do you know they tied them up leaving their hats on, leaving their coats on. So it wasn't as if they weren't going to be warm enough in a furnace heated seven times, but they threw them in fully clad. And rather an amazing thing to do, but that's what they did. Therefore, because the king command, king's commandment was urgent and the furnace was exceeding hot, the flame of the flask fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counsellors did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come thither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, captains, and king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an, an hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Hey, you know something. There is one thing for sure. If you have to go through a trial and you really are doing it because of your love of God and because you've honored God, there will never be even the smell of fire upon you. It's not going to touch you. Not a hair of your head gets singed. You go through and you believe God and God says in the midst of the fiery furnace nothing's going to happen. One of the biggest things that the devil has to operate with is fear. He operates on the basis that people are afraid. You're afraid of men's opinions. You're afraid of what they'll say. You're afraid of what they'll do. You're afraid of how they'll get at you. And so you back down and you compromise. You hide your light under a bushel. You're not prepared to stand for what you believe. And consequently, Christianity becomes a laughing stock. Because the moment there's any little trial, and this isn't a fiery furnace, I'm just talking about a matchstick near you. And you go, oh. Frightened. And then you bow to man's opinion. And they erect what they call the right way of living. They erect their golden image. They erect the thing they call success. 
They erect the thing they call the right way of believing. And you bow to it. The moment there comes pressure, you bow. And God doesn't intend us to be like that. What we have to do, we have to know what we believe and no matter what anyone thinks and no matter the consequences, this I will die for. This is what I believe, this is what I know. I will not bow my knee. There is no place of compromise. I cannot compromise my life, my thoughts, because of this, I will stand. And in trials in life, you can go through all sorts of trials, and there are two types of people. Some people, when they go through a fiery trial of circumstance in their life, it burns them, and they're burned in the furnace of it. They abandon their faith in God, they try and compromise their way out of it, they try and find all sorts of ways out of it, and they lose everything they had. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they decided right at the start, hey, doesn't matter whether God delivers me or doesn't deliver me, I will not bow. Doesn't matter what the cost is, I will believe my God and stand for what I believe. Doesn't matter how painful it is, that's what I'll do. Look, the devil does not have the victory. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was the great king. He thought he could create something that everyone had to worship at. He thought he had the power to get everyone to bend the knee. But there stood up three men who said no. We will not bow. Doesn't matter what you do, we're not bowing. Doesn't matter whether our God delivers us or not, we will not bow. And I want to tell you what happens. The devil's never been in control of anything. He never has the power to do anything except that which God lets him do. And then he has to ask permission. And when he tries to destroy the seed of faith, all that happens is you find that the Lord God Almighty is our deliverer. He was right in the midst of the flames. And when Nebuchadnezzar looked through, there were four people, and there wasn't a smell upon their clothes of the fiery furnace when they came out. The only thing it ever burnt off, and the only thing a trial will ever burn off the true Son of God, is it'll burn the bands that bind you, the cords that bind you tight, they'll be burnt off. When you go through a fiery trial, if you have the right attitude, what's going to happen? You're going to come out victorious. And you'll come out, as they say, smelling of roses. Not smelling of whatever. Not a hair singed. Always in the Bible, you'll discover. You remember Joseph? His brothers were envious. They might have been. But Joseph had a word from God in a dream. And he knew his brothers were going to serve him. 
So they threw him into a pit. And then they gave him and sold him to Egypt. Then he ended up in prison, falsely accused. But all the time his attitude was right. All the time he saw that his God was really in control. All the time he had a vision. And um, Job, you remember Job and the story of Job. Uh, Let's just look in Genesis, um, Genesis 50 first. When Joseph left him, verse 7, And Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and all the house of Joseph and his brethren, and his father's house, only their little ones and their flock and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. Do you know, when when Joseph wanted to bury his father, the prison house, the pit into which he was cast, became as nothing. Why? Because he not only saved his own brethren, he saved a whole heathen nation. Because he wouldn't bow the knee, because when he got a vision from God, he held fast to the vision, because he held the integrity of heart right, and he went right. And that's the way it is. Now you might say, well, it was terrible things that happened to him. Well, there's things that are unjust in life and there are things that are wrong in life. But if you keep the right attitude, I'll tell you what will happen. You'll end up the winner. Doesn't matter what happens in life, you'll always win. Because God's on your side. And this is old covenant. This isn't new covenant. We've got a new covenant with better promises than they had. Doesn't matter how things seem to work in the world's terms, the problem is with life that too many people want their security, want everything around them, want everything nice, and they don't understand that our treasure's in heaven. But really, what I'm concerned about is the things of the future, not the things of the present. If you hold the things of the present, you'll live in fear. If you hold the things of God, you'll fear nothing. In the end, what counts is what I am in God. What counts is what God is going to do for me. What doesn't count is the things of this earth. You brought nothing into this world, you'll take nothing out. That's fact. And what you've got to do is keep your attitude right. So, People do you wrong, well, so what? It's your attitude. You let bitterness get in your heart and you soon go away from God or you start questioning God, why did God let this happen? I'll tell you what, doesn't matter why God let it happen. It's like King David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. I'll go through the valley, but I'll come out the other side. I'm not going to sit down in it. If you're one of these people that sits down and starts getting all full of self-pity, why did this happen? I can't understand how that happened. Your attitude sinks to zero. Faith goes out the window. You stop believing in God and you try and compromise your way out of it and you lose. Whereas when you stand up and you say, well, my God 
will take me through. It doesn't matter what. I will not compromise. I will not bow. I will not budge. I will believe. Tell you what always happened in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, God was faithful to them. They always ended up victorious. And you look at Job. Many people take the book of Job and they say, oh, it's terrible what happened to Job. And if something goes wrong, they always try and justify it. Remember Job. Well, let me tell you about Job. The little bit that's usually left out. Uh, in chapter 42, you'll find it right before the book of Psalms, if you wonder where it is. In chapter 42... It says it's in verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friend. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came there unto him all his brethren, all his sisters, and all they that had been of his acquaintance before, and it did eat bread in his, with him in his house. And they, and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels, and a yoke of, a thousand yoke of oxen, and a thousand she-asses. He had also seven sons and three daughters. You know, the main thing that you have to understand is Job went through a trial for 18 months. At the end of it, when God delivered him, he ended up with twice as much as he ever had, and God caused everyone to bless him. Many people look at it and say, you, you, you know, well, look at Job, he went through trials, yeah. But always look at the end of it. God brought him out. God delivered him. God brought him into victory. God doubled everything he had. God caused him to prosper. God caused all the people, even the people that bemoaned him and ridiculed him, he caused them to come to him. Look, and they still blame God. It was, it was God who was the originator of it because the devil came and God said to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? And he said, does he serve God for naught? Well, I want to tell you, the funny thing about it is, the devil's a liar, he's always been a liar, he always will be a liar. Anything he says is untrue. He has no testimony of truth, whether it be mythology, whether it be history, he's always a liar. He says, does Job serve God for naught? Well, the truth is, God had blessed Job and the work of his hands. And at the end of the trial, God blessed him twice as much as he did at the beginning. So no, not only did he get a single portion, he ended up with a double portion of blessing right at the end of his life. 
and he didn't serve God for nothing and it's a suggestion that you can serve God and God won't honor you is a lie of the devil God always honors his children is that plain and there is nothing wrong with believing in God's blessing of course he loves his children of course he blesses his children of course he's on their side and it's totally wrong when you give the impression that somehow there's something wrong with getting blessed there's nothing wrong with getting blessed it's better to be blessed than cursed isn't it and so the devil bored up right at the beginning of the book of Job a lie try to suggest that God shouldn't bless people but our God is a God who blesses and at the end of the trial proving that Job had a heart of integrity he got twice as much as the end as at the beginning and realize this that's always God's heart for his people there's never a time you'll go through a trial when God won't cause you to be twice as blessed at the end as at the beginning and when you go through the trial you'll always come through victorious if you keep your attitude right and it's attitude that determines everything if you're one of these people, oh, I can't understand. How could let God let this happen to me? Well, time and chance happeneth to every man. Circumstances happen, situations happen, but what is your attitude to them? Do you believe you're God in the midst of it all and say, I don't care? When everything seems the wrong way, can you be the right way? I don't care if God slay me. Job had the same prayer as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, well, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I don't know how it's going to work out, but God's going to see me through, and God did. And at the end, he was twice as blessed as at the beginning. And that is all the ways the way for the children of God. God is not against you, God is for you. God is not in any sense going to protect you from every trial, but God is always going to make the end more glorious than the beginning. And the devil is never in control of your life, he never has a say in your life. Our God is the king of the universe, our God controls everything. And if you're faithful to him and you love him, I assure you, always you will find the scripture true that's in Romans it's in Romans chapter 8 and you need to understand it verse 28 read it out are you there Romans 8 28 read it out and we know What do you know? All things work together for good. In other words, everything that comes in life doesn't matter how contrary it is, doesn't matter how awful it seems, I want to tell you what's going to happen. In the end, God's going to work it for good. 
You see, we belong to him. We're his children. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, God will always work everything in your life for good. The only thing that got burned off Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, why? It was the bands that bound them in the fiery furnace. In other words, they came out freer and you will find that Nebuchadnezzar exalted them and changed his decree. Why? Because they proved their God. Same with Job. All his relations, all the relatives that had left him on a dung heap in his misery, they turned around and now they came and bought gifts to him. Same thing happened throughout history. Look at Joseph. In the end, his, this, the brothers had to come and they had to bow before him and they had to honor him. And all the heathen kings, they had to give way. You see, the devil's never been in control of anything. Do you know, one of the things that really upsets me is how few Christians understand this. When Jesus went to Calvary, it wasn't the devil that took him there. It wasn't Judas Iscariot that got him there. That is not true. Jesus was delivered up, it says in my Bible, by the determinate counsel of God. It was God's plan before the foundation of the world. He was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Judas was but fulfilling a prophetic word that God spoke. And Judas basically uh, was only the pawn in God's purposes. It wasn't that somehow the devil was winning a victory and getting Christ to Calvary. Christ had set his face as a flint to go there. He knew exactly what was happening. And had he wanted to change it, he, he made it quite plain to his disciples. He said, I could call ten legions of angels. Don't need a fight. God has always been omnipotent. God is always almighty. God has always been in charge of everything. And in your life, I want to tell you who rules. It's never the devil. It, the devil doesn't rule the world. And you'll discover that everything's working together for good. You say, well, what about all the evils? Well, I'll tell you, God in his infinite mercy and grace is working everything together for good. What about sickness? In the end you'll find you'll come out triumphant because God will work it together for good. You say, well, how? I don't know how. But what I do know is God's promise. And whether he delivers me or he doesn't deliver me, I believe him. Whether I go in the fiery furnace and perish there or I go through it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is my God. And with that attitude, you'll discover you'll go through anything in life believing God. But if you're one of these people who's a fair-weather Christian and the only time you feel it's God's blessing is when everything goes right and then you feel it's the devil when things go wrong, you've got a totally wrong vision and understanding 
of truth and the nature of God. The devil's never been in control of anything. That's why he's called the prince of the power of the air. The only thing he's ever controlled is air. And that's polluted. Not in control of anything. My God is omnipotent. Almighty. Is that plain? And everything in your life, every circumstance, every situation, I want to tell you who's in control of it. God. And I want to tell you something else. Everything's working together for good to those that love God. Doesn't matter how it seems, it's going to work out good. All things work together for to those that love God, to those that are called according to His purposes. And you know, it's always God's purposes. Everything works together for good. On that basis, everything's working together for good. And you can look at it all and laugh. The devil's a liar. God is good. All the time. Something good's going to happen to you. Why? Because God is in charge. And you're his child, and he loves you. And he's going to see that everything is going to work for your blessing and benefit. And you say, well, how can it be? What about the devil? Well, what about the devil? He's a servant of God. Do you know he can't help blessing you? Even with his best efforts, he ended up doubling the blessing Job had with his best efforts. Pretty sick, isn't it? Can you imagine how the devil felt at the end of it all when he saw Job double what he had before and then he watched all the friends that he man managed to turn against him, he thought, all coming, and they began to bring gifts to Job and lay them before him. And all, all his relatives who fought with him all reconciled, and the devil was sitting at the end of 18 months with a fine mess. He was looking at Job and thinking, all that work, all that effort, and what has happened? God's blessed him twice as much. You imagine when the devil rejoiced, he finally got all the elders of Babylon and all the chancellors and all the treasurers to all go against Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He got Nebuchadnezzar to conceive in his heart the idea of a golden image. He got everything organized. And he thought, I've got him at last. And he watched them, and he laughed when he saw them bound with cords. And they left their hat on them as an insult. They left all their clothes on them. And then they threw them into the fiery furnace. And imagine the devil's shock when he, standing next to Nebuchadnezzar, looked in, and he saw there were four people in the furnace seven times hotter and what did it do it burnt off their bonds and when they walked out there wasn't a hair of their head singed and instead of destruction what happened blessing 
Consister, consider another one, Esther. Consider Mordecai. Consider the judgment of God against God's, the judgment of the king against God's people. In she walked, she could have died. What happened? The one who built the gallows for Mordecai ended up swinging from them. The devil, he don't win anything. We're people of God. We belong to God. Everything works together for good. God is not going to let anything come into your life that even if it's the most dastardly thing, I'll tell you what it's going to wreak in you. Good. Something good is going to happen to you. You say, well, the devil this, the devil that, the devil nothing. God works all things together for good to those that love God. And he's always on your side. Circumstances don't matter. God's goodness is all that matters. That's faith. That's the right attitude to have in life. Hey. My God is able. Wouldn't that be great? Everyone with the right attitude. Instead of a negativity, faith. Instead of a failure complex, a faith complex. Instead of looking at trials and going down, you look at it as a challenge and say, how's God going to bring blessing out of this? but I know he will. And the worst scenario brings double blessing. The good thing is I'm always going to be twice as well off at the end as at the beginning. If the devil had his worst way, God would have his best. The one condition is you love him. The one condition is that you set your heart on him. The one condition is you don't compromise. The one condition is you don't murmur against God. That's condition. See, the just shall live by faith. My God will see me through. That's the easiest way of living. All things work together for good to those that love God to those who are the called according to his purposes. And God has got a purpose for your life. You're a child of God. God saved you. God redeemed you. And keep your attitude right. Doesn't mean you're going to avoid every trial. There'll be trials down the road. We live in the new covenant. We're on better promises than those of Job better promises than those of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, better promises than King David, better promises than Joseph. I happen to believe my God is in control. He's almighty, omnipotent. My God is a mighty God. But time and chance happen. And you see, faith is something that laughs at impossibilities. I don't need to explain things I'm only called upon to believe them. And I believe my God. 
everything will work together for good. I want to assure you today in your life, doesn't matter what's happening in your life, what circumstances are there in your life, God intends it to work together for good. And if you keep your attitude right, you'll find everything becomes a blessing. Everything in your life, you find God doubles the blessing. And it never becomes a minus. It is always a plus with God. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called. We have a God who cares for us. He's our Father. Amen? Do you believe that this morning?